You know, if you don't, if you're, if you're here tonight, and you don't know Jesus as your savior. You know, one of the things that comes with um, asking him to be your savior from your sins is not a perfect life, but it is a peace through life. Because um, becoming a Christian doesn't all of a sudden mean that life becomes perfect. Does it? It doesn't. Not at all. Because we live in a sin-cursed world, but uh, the, you know what God does is he adds, he doesn't yank us out of the, the horrors and the terrors of this world. He adds an extra ingredient. And that ingredient is his peace and his grace. And uh, the Lord sometimes, instead of changing our circumstances, he likes to add in uh, an extra ingredient that will make us be able to weather um, what comes. We'll uh, probably, I think, uh, Lord willing, unless the uh, Lord changes my mind, we're going to look at that a little more tomorrow. So uh, come on back tomorrow. And uh, But for now, uh, if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we will go this evening. And uh, if, I, if I could, I just want to point out real quick, for one thing, I apologize. I did not realize that, uh, that y'all would like those CDs out there. I would have brought more. A lot of them are uh, gone. And um, I have more in my boxes back in Virginia. So if you, uh, if you stop by Virginia, you know, just let me know. Um, but, um, uh, but if nothing else, one thing that is still out there is there are these four volumes of um, the Bible stories for kids. One of the things I just want to emphasize, again, of course, these are for younger children. Um, but um, each one of these, you can flip them over on the back and find out what stories are told on the back. But one of the neat things about this, um, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but sometimes with drama, Christian drama, sometimes, uh, you know, they put the gospel in there, but it's almost like, um, it's almost like you have to already know the whole gospel story and be well versed in it for you to all of a sudden catch it and be like, Oh, that was clever. I get it. Oh, that's really clever. And, uh, but you know, that's really cool that you caught that. And that was really clever. But if you have an unsafe person next to you, you think, well, that's not going to help them. So you know what's really neat about these things is that after the stories, like this is volume two, and it's got a story about Jonah and Jesus about, uh, I believe it's the feeding of the 5,000, is that once ev- on every one of these Bible story CDs, once the stories are done, the narrator comes back on on the last track and he takes about three or four minutes and he just gives the gospel. And he, tell, he kind of summarizes a little bit, but he just, he just straight up tells you um, how to be saved. And I bring that up. Just to say, the whole point of these is that you can get a few extra gospel tools into your hand. Uh, maybe you have family, friends, maybe there's some kids who come to church here uh, that don't have parents that come to church here. You'd like to get the gospel into their hands. This thing is great. Um, let me read you this email that I got, um, I think about a year ago. Um, this uh, man said, just wanted you to know that today my granddaughter Evelyn prayed and asked Jesus to save her after listening to the Bible story CDs that we bought and had sent to them. So, and her parents are Christians. And so the whole thing was, is that this guy, he does not, you know, there's no high pressure, nothing, but he just simply gives the gospel and says, kids, you need to get saved. And so this is exactly what was supposed to happen. The girl goes to her parents and says, I need to get saved. And so, so that's what this is for. So uh, take advantage of those out there on the table. And then um, also out there, uh, a couple of CDs. If you like to hear guys sing, um, these are two different men's groups. Well, same group, but uh, two different recordings. Uh, then Sings My Soul um, came out in 2020, and uh, then Sing Praise came out this year. And these are a couple of groups that I got to kind of jump on board with and sing. So if you like to hear guys sing, uh, these things are great. They have full orchestration behind them. And so um, so if you enjoy hearing men sing, you'll notice if you flip them over, you'll see songs that you recognize and probably some songs that are brand new to you. So um, take advantage of those back there. Remember, uh, the CDs don't have a price tag, and that's on purpose. It's just uh, if you want to get some music, 
um, just put some cash in the box that's back there, okay? Cash in the box, and then you take, uh, you just put in whatever you think is fair. It just goes right back into getting more CDs and extras go into the ministry, um, the ministry fund. And uh, so take advantage of those back there, okay? Um, well, I hope that you are, um, I hope that you're excited to be here. I am. And, uh, this is, uh, it's exciting. It's a little, uh, drizzly out there. I, uh, walked outside. Anyone walk outside and get an Insta headache? Anyone get that? Uh, I got a little bit of one right now, um, with, uh, just the, you know, the change of pressure and such, you know, you don't think about it, but when you travel all over the place, sometimes during certain seasons, and if I set the route up a certain way, and I don't mean to do this, it's like we follow pollen season in different places all around. So it's not like you can go to one place and just say, okay, we got our allergies out of the way, we're done for the year. No, it's like we follow them around. And uh, so that's kind of annoying. Um, we also, in traveling, you know, you don't think about this as well, unless you do it, is uh, sometimes we follow seasons. You know, we've had times where um, you drive, you know, you drive, um, you know, Alabama, you know, summer starts like you know, mid-March, you know, something like that. And, uh, you know, so you're, so summer's like kicking in. It's like this, it feels like spring, almost summer. And then all of a sudden you drive, you drive up and then you find out that it's, you know, you drive back into winter, then you drive into, and then you come down, come into spring, then go back up into winter. And then you come down into summer and uh, you switch seasons sometimes uh, by getting out of the vehicle. And so that's kind of a unique thing that we do, but um, we're glad, we're, we're glad we're able to be out and we want, we want God to do a great work in your hearts. And so that's why our family travels, and uh, this is obviously unusual. Usually, uh, I have my wife and my boys with me, and so um, uh, so I hope that a day will come you'll get to meet them and uh, and uh, get to see them there. So, all right. So Ephesians chapter five is where we're going to be at. As Pastor said, I hope that you are. Uh, I hope that you are planning tomorrow. Please go out and vote. Let the Bible guide your voting. And uh, not our feelings, not our wants, what we want, but let the Bible guide it. And uh, you do that, and uh, you, that you, can't, you won't go wrong if you truly let the Bible guide your voting. And so, uh, so do that. Go at it tomorrow. It's a precious thing that we're able to do that uh, in our country. Because, you know, one of the things that, um, uh, that I've, I think the Bible speaks to here and is just a very much a reality is, if you look at Ephesians chapter 5 and uh, verse number 16, okay? Look at uh, Ephesians 5, 16. Uh, we'll get to a little bit more of this verse in a moment, but it says, redeeming the time, it says, because the days are evil. I'll tell you what, if there was ever an understatement, it would be that we're living in evil days. I think that would be about the understatement of understatements, that we live in evil days. I mean, you just look, I remember reading some of just the statistics of, here we are, we're supposed to be, you know, one of the le- you know the leading Western nation. We're supposed to have one of the best, you know, justice systems and such. And you know, we all know <laughs> stuff's broke here in America. And, you know, it's just, it's just sad. I was reading that um, it said in the year 2017, you want to talk about, do we live in evil days? In 2017, five years ago, the ER, the emergency rooms across America, reported 1.7 million visits in 2017 for violent assault. And that was just the people that came into the ER. You know, and you want to talk about again evil days and the violence that is here. Um, we could we could talk about abuse. You know, in 2000 in 2018, just four years ago, 7.8, ready for this? 7.8 million children were involved in child abuse reports. And if you got any kind of a brain on, you know that's just the ones that made it to the reports. Now it's about uh, it's you know just a little bit after it's just about seven thirty, folks. Um, by the time we hit midnight, you ready for this? Five children 
in the United States are going to die today from abuse. About four already have. One more will die before you get to bed. And it won't be any different tomorrow. Five more children in America will die from abuse. Do we live in evil days? I'd say we do. I'd say we do. Um, we, look at, we look at our nation, look at, the, at abortion and the children that die, innocent children that die. You know, I read in 2004, 2004 was one of our biggest years in the United States for legalized abortions. And do you know what, do you know what I read? You know what I read about this? That it was about 860,000 children were killed in the womb. You want to know the reasons? Here's the reasons why 860,000. This wasn't the reason for every abortion, but these were the reasons given for 860,000 babies that were killed in 2004, right here in America. You know what the reasons were? One, I'm not ready for a kid. So is the rest of us. But, um, but oh, how sad. And, uh, and, but some said, I can't afford a kid. Neither can the rest of us. But yet they, they, they killed their child for this. Um, some, uh, some said, uh, I can't afford a kid. Some said, I don't want to be a single mom. Some said, I'm not mature enough. Others said, I'm just done having children. And others said, it would interfere with my education or career. Those were the reasons for eight, about 860,000 abortions in the year 2004. We live in some evil days. We live in some evil, evil days. You want to talk about you know, uh, we want to talk, uh, you know, you hear a lot on the news and in, and in places about, about slavery. We talk a lot about the past. You know, a lot of people don't talk about the present and the slavery that goes on. We have a different name for it today called human trafficking. Do you know that it was in the year, it was just a little bit ago, 2000, uh, might, I think it was still around 2017 or 18 or so, it, the Polaris National Human Trafficking Hotline said that they investigated, listen, 1,900 businesses in one year. For human trafficking. In other words, these are stores you could walk in the front and buy something and you didn't know that in the back there's a big money business and a lot of heartache going on in the back. You don't even know what's going on. And they said we didn't even scratch the surface at the 1,900 businesses in the United States that are, that, are, that are accommodating human trafficking. I mean, I'd say we live in some pretty evil days and there's just so much um, sin and just, gr- and just gross sin, sin that is supposed to be, uh, not only is it happening, but now it's beginning, some of these things are beginning to be tolerated. Some of them even promoted, some of them even praised. And you know what oftentimes happens is, you know, we can take and realize, you know, we're living in evil days. And I've, I've seen, I've seen some preachers, evangelists who will come into a church and they'll talk about the evil days. And because, um, and they talk about just the evils in our American society. And can I tell you something? They are evils. These are some evil things. But oftentimes, you know something is that usually we don't mind if a preacher comes in and gets us all wound up and all riled up about all these awful, awful, evil things in our, in our society, in our nation today. We usually don't mind it. You know why? Because we're probably not guilty of them. And so we don't mind if a preacher comes and gets us all kind of wound up and riled up about these things and we hear these awful things. I remember watching, uh, uh, watching, listening to a couple of messages where preachers did this and really the people, all the, uh, basically the people that were sitting in the pews where you would be sitting left, wound up, you know, upset, nostrils flared, but almost with the mentality of, uh, of we are just, this is just a, a day of doom and gloom. And they almost walked out with the mentality of, well, f- friends, we're just going to have, you know, what can the righteous do? We're just going to have to hang in there till Jesus comes. Did you, did you know that is not how God wants you to live? 
And if you, and do you know that even the, um, to view the rapture as, well, this is our, this is our free ticket out of here. That is the wrong way to view the rapture. That really is the wrong way to view because usually we just think, well, you know, this is my free ticket out of here and I just got to hunker down and hang in there till Jesus comes. You know what God does is he gives us in this passage where he talks about the evil days, God gives us two very practical commands that he says, hey, you want to do something about the evil days? You know, for me, I look at, um, I look at you know, human trafficking, what a disgusting thing. I look at abortion. What a, what a heart wrenching thing, especially now having children. I, I look at I look at abuse. You know, having children again, and I just think what a heart wrenching thing. Violence from one person against another, and I think what a heart wrenching thing. And I think what can you do? And such a big thing. You know, we look at it and we you know we say, well, it's just rampant everywhere. What can a bunch of Christians? What can a, a group of you know 50, 60, 70, 80, What can a group of Christians like us really do against that big of a thing? God says. Glad you asked. God says, I have two commands that will allow you to impact the evil days. So let's look at what they are. Number one is in verse number 15. Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter five, verse number 15 says, see them that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So what can I do about the evil days? Number one, God says, walk circumspectly. Walk circumspectly. All right, so great. You say, great, Matt. What in the world is that supposed to mean? Well, uh, it has the word walk. I love that word walk. I got to do a study this summer uh, in, uh, at camp uh, with, uh, with summer staff as well as with teenagers about the idea of walking the Spirit. I love this concept God gives of walk because it's the idea, helps us kind of grasp the idea that uh, life is a journey. Life is a journey and it starts, uh, you know, really, it really honestly starts once you ask Jesus to be your savior. And that's when it really gets going and you get to journey with the Lord until you see him in glory. But you know, we're all on this journey through this thing called, uh, this thing called life. And we're all at different points and all of our experiences will be different. And we've all are on this journey. But can I tell you something, uh, no matter where you're at on this journey through life, I'll tell you one thing for starters is that the... It is awful. It is, it is an awful thing to go through the journey of life and not know Jesus as your Savior. Listen, if, you co- if you've come here and you just do not know, maybe you're watching live stream and you say, I just don't know if my sins are forgiven. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not sure if I have eternal life. Uh, maybe you say, if I was to die, I just don't know what would happen to me. If you were to stand before God today and he says, why should I allow you into heaven? You might say, maybe you say, I just don't know what I'd tell him. Listen, the greatest thing that God wants you to know is to know that you know that you have eternal life. First John 5, the Bible says, these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. First John 5 then says, uh, says he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son has not life. In other words, uh, in other words, Jesus, the Son of God, is the one who can give eternal life. You don't get it by coming to church. You don't gain it by uh, doing a bunch of good works. Eternal life comes through Jesus Christ our Lord is what the Bible teaches. And so you want to, you know, you're going to do a journey uh, through this through this life. You want to have Jesus there with you. But, but the Bible says that if you know Jesus as your Savior, you want to impact the evil days. He says your journey, your walk needs to be done, he says, circumspectly. So as you go out there in life, you need to, you need to live your life circumspectly. Now, if you're like me, I'm thinking, great, Matt, 
<laughs> what does that mean? You know, uh, circumspect. When was the last time you told uh, your kids? Now, you, when you go out there today, you be, you be circumspect, okay? I, mean, I want to make sure you do that. You know, you, you know, that's not a word we use very often with um, anybody. So what does the word mean? Well, it has kind of two sides to it. One, uh, one idea here, it's the, the word circumspectly has the idea of walking carefully, being careful where you walk. Um, you know, back in... Um, uh, 2020, remember that year? What a weird year. Uh, 2020, um, back in March, you know, uh, while, while uh, you guys were having stuff out here on the on the West Coast, we were having the same kind of thing on the East Coast. People were going, what's happening? I don't know what happened. And, um, and so what happened was I had most of my meetings canceled in March and in April. And so we were just home in Alabama. We had our, our uh, fifth wheel trailer hooked up to the, our church, you know, there, and we didn't really have much of anywhere to go uh, for, those, um, for those couple of uh, months. And so uh, my son, uh, we just had one child at the time. And uh, so Samuel was about one and a half and he was starting to walk and he was kind of, you know, getting all, getting around, getting to different places. And so we would go out, you know, March and April, you know, April, Alabama, the sun comes out, it gets hot in April in Alabama. And, um, and so we would go out sometimes and Samuel, he just at one and a half, you know, with his, you know, toddling and all that, he loved to just go out and walk. And I remember once I, I set up, turned on my GPS and we walked like a half a mile one time out in the hot Alabama sun. He's sweating. I'd hand him water. He just, and then he just keep going because he just wanted to wander and walk. And um, one of the things that is in Alabama, and I don't know if you have it in this part of California, maybe you do, but um, in Alabama, we have this, this thing in Alabama. It's, uh, it's not a good thing, uh, but it is there. And I don't think it's going away anytime soon. We are um, what's the opposite of blessed? We're cursed. <laughs> I don't know. With um, fire ants. Do y'all have fire ants in this part of California? Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So uh, we have, you might say, oh, well, we have ants. No, no, no. <laughs> fire ants. <laughs> now, maybe you say, oh, yeah, I've seen red ants here. No, no, no. Fire ants. Okay. These fire ants, uh, you know, maybe you say, oh, yeah, I saw this one, a fire ant hill. I was walking out and I just, uh, it was like this little thing here. No, 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 no. Okay. Alabama and uh, the areas around like Georgia and Florida and up into a little bit of the Carolinas, they build these things. Sometimes you can come out and find them like this tall along the side of the road. You go out into a field, you can find them. Uh, they don't just go this wide. I've seen some that are literally this wide. They almost look like a whole set of suburbs out there and they're just massive. And you do not want to go up. You do not kick them over, even if you're like kick and step back, because that's all you have to do. At least one of them will hang on to you and it will take about 30 seconds. You can count it. It'll climb up your shoe. It'll find your leg and you will know about it very soon. They bite. They're nasty. They're awful. They hurt. They itch later on. And they're, they're awful things and they're everywhere. And especially out in the fields, especially as it gets warm, they are everywhere. You step on them and I'm, I mean, they just, they pour out like a liquid. I mean, it is just, uh, it's bad. And, uh, I mean, you can have, um, times that, uh, I remember hearing about a, um, a cow that uh, stepped in, because especially on the, if you see them really tall, I think the thing that I heard is whatever height that you see them above ground, usually they're double that under the ground. And so out in the field, a cow stepped in one of these holes and it's soft dirt. And so it stepped in it and turned its leg and it was stuck there. And I mean, the ants were just coming out to consume this cow and they, they just shot it because, you know, th these ants were going to kill this cow. That's, that's our fire ants. Welcome to Alabama. Now, maybe you're here sitting here thinking, oh my goodness. 
whoa, you know, well, Matt, you took your one and a half year old son out into the fields where there are fire ant hills? I did. <laughs> you say, Matt, how do you avoid the fire ant hills? What do you do about them? How do you like, uh, what, how do you deal with them? It's real simple. When, um, as you come up to a fire ant hill, especially if they're located right here, what you do is you walk here. Did y'all catch that? Was that, was that? was that too deep? We'll go over it again. Okay, so if the fire ant hill is here, you walk right here. And then that way, you don't touch it. And then if you don't touch it, no fire ants come out, right? And it's really simple. And so I'm so my um, one-and-a-half-year-old son, you know, he doesn't know about fire ant hills. And so he's walking around, and we'll be coming up on one, and I would say, whoa, 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 Sam, look, look, look fire ants. Let's go around it. Come on, go around it. And so we go around it and I come up, we come up on another one. Whoa, 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 Sam, look, 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 fire ants go around it. And eventually he started to recognize them and he would come up on one and he'd go, and I'd be like, yes, fire ants. Very good. Let's go around them. And, uh, and so he started to even learn what they were. And Samuel, my son had to learn, you need to walk carefully in the fields of Alabama. Why? Because there are fire ants out there who want to destroy you. You know, that is the perfect picture of what this word circumspectly means. It means to walk carefully. You know why? Because the devil wants to destroy you. He has so many things out there that look good, that taste good, that sound good, that smell good, that feel good, but they are that they are out there not to help you, but to destroy you. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a warring lion, ro- roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so God says, you want to impact the evil days? He says, you better walk carefully because there are sin temptations all over the place that want to destroy you. You know what the devil would love? The devil would love to destroy your relationship with God by getting you into idolatry, to love something more than God. You say, Matt, I don't have any, any statues up in your house. Glad you don't. Me neither. But you know, we get idols up in our lives very quickly when something becomes more important than God, like your job, like your car, your truck. Oh, I got a truck. <laughs> like your truck. Like a, 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 it could be a boat, it could be a, it could be a house, it could be, a, it could be a anything. It could be a sport, it could be a person. When things become more important than God, Satan would love to destroy your walk with God by getting you into idolatry, by getting you to neglect your Bible. So listen, watch out, walk carefully, because Satan wants to destroy your marriage with pornography. With a with a with a, a, a sketchy coworker, with a friend at school, with lust, Satan wants to destroy your marriage, and he has placed opportunities to sin all around you. Walk carefully. Walk carefully. Uh, Satan wants to destroy your family with your uncontrolled anger. He wants to destroy it, and so he puts all kinds of opportunities there for you to just rip into other people with your anger. Folks, watch out. Watch out. Don't give the devil what he wants. Uh, Satan wants to destroy your friendships by getting you to be a liar, by getting you to be selfish, by getting you to covet. Uh, Satan wants to destroy your loved ones by getting you to fail to witness to them, by getting you to fail to pray for them. You know, uh, the devil wants to destroy your church with gossip, 
with pride, with an unforgiving spirit, and he's placed all kinds of opportunities for you to indulge in those sins all over the place. And God says, watch out. Walk a little more carefully. Uh, Satan wants to destroy your spirit with complaining, with bitterness, with anger, with unforgiveness. He wants to destroy your testimony with profanity. And so God says, walk carefully. Because Satan has placed so many opportunities to destroy you all throughout where your journey through life is going to take you. So he says, walk carefully. But the word circumspectly not just means carefully, but it also means to walk accurately. The idea of accurately means uh, in the idea of according to a set standard. Um, you know, we were, uh, you know, just had lunch with AJ, or supper with AJ and Jessica, and, you know, you work in the military. They have a dress code, don't they, every now and then in the military? You know, they kind of have a standard of how you're supposed to dress. And, and uh, if you've ever been to Bible college, they have a dress code there. Uh, you, you can go to a grocery store and work there. And they have a dress code that they'll catch you on. I remember, uh, I remember working in a grocery store. And my manager looking at me one day and saying, hey, you forgot your belt. And I thought, well, are we back in Bible college? You know what? I forgot my belt. I'm sorry about that. You know, and, um, you know, and so, you know, we're used to, you know, people talk about, you know, there's, there's set standards for, for different places. And, and uh, maybe you say, yeah, hey, brother Matt, yeah, we got to have standards as Christians. What's the standards that God wants us to live by? You know what God's standard is that he says you need to walk circumspectly and hold fast to? You know what his standard is? Holiness, which means this. You fell short of it, just like me. You say, Matt, you don't know how great my standards are. You're right. You fell short of God's holiness, just like me. Which means God says, we got to walk carefully and accurately according to God's standard that oftentimes we look at other people and we say, well, praise the Lord, at least I'm not as sinful as them. But folks, them is not our standard for are we godly or are we holy? God is the standard. And you know, when we compare ourselves to God, we don't look so good. We do a whole lot better. We feel a whole lot better about ourselves when we compare ourselves with other people because we can always find somebody who's worse than us. But God says, no, 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 no. I don't want you trying to live your Christian life just being a little bit better than this, this other Christian that you know of who's not super godly. No, God says, listen, you want to impact evil days? Live a godly, holy life, folks. People, one of the greatest ways you can impact evil days is to live a godly and a holy life. To avoid sin, to keep it from your life, and to live your testimony as much as you can to look like Jesus Christ. Folks, that will impact unsaved people more than any, probably anything else will. So God says, you want to impact evil days? One, he says, walk circumspectly. Number two, he says, you want to impact the evil days? Verse number 16 says, redeeming the time. So want to impact the evil days? One, walk circumspectly. Two, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Let me, uh, let me kind of help us understand this because this phrase, redeeming the time, it's so short, but there's so much in it. Um, uh, to kind of help you understand this is uh, to realize this. Uh, I, I love using, we got a hymnal right here. Good. Um, one of the things I like to do is um, to describe time. Is this something that I found that really kind of helps me to understand it? I want you to just imagine 
this hymnal, this book, is all of the timeline of human history, okay? All that has been, uh, where, wherever we're at, and however much there still is yet to be, okay? Um, so I want you to just imagine that this is the timeline. This is when time started. This is when time shall be no more. And everything in between it is everything we had to learn about in history class, okay? And so, uh, and so maybe there's, you know, there's descriptions about everything that went on uh, throughout the course of the timeline of human history. And do you know something to, that we got to wrap, wrap your mind around this? is that God made time. You know, we talk about how God made the planets, God made the stars, God made the earth, God made the waters, God made the animals. You know that God made time? That God literally created something. You know, we live, we exist within time. You know, daylight savings time. We can't think of ourselves. We can't think in a realm outside of one that is controlled by time. You know, the Bible says that God is eternal which means he has no beginning and he has no end. Literally, it means he exists outside of time. And so it doesn't mean that, as you know, some people would say, well, God just got time, the, the timeline of time going and just kind of cranked it up and then let it run. No, what God does is he, um, he has the, the he, it's almost like this, how he can view the timeline of human history and God can influence certain things here and move things about to accomplish his will and his plan here and alter things here so that his plan comes through. And so he's doing all this. Why? Because this is his. Time belongs to God. You know why? Because he made it. You make something, it's yours. God made time. All right, so here's a question. Ready? How many of you hate it when people mess with your stuff? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah, where are you? Yes, where are my people? Okay, yes, yes. I hate it when people mess with my stuff. You know, if something is sitting there, like, for example, uh, you know, if I take off my coat and it's sitting up there, listen, I'll just tell you this. You don't have to bring it to me. I know where I put it. I'm coming back for it. Because if I, if it gets moved from there, I'll walk up here and I will panic because I will know, I will know this. It, this is how my mind works. My wife will tell you, it blows my mind. I will walk up to the spot and say, it was here. It existed right here. I can point to the space within my arm's length and it is no longer here. How could it have been moved because I placed it here and it blows my mind. So, you know, if you see something in mind, you're like, oh, that's Matt's. I'll pick it up for him. No, leave it there. I'm coming back for it, okay? And um, so, so, you know, that's just me. I don't like it when people mess with my stuff like some of you do too. You know, isn't it kind of nice? You realize something? Without being, um, without being, trite. I don't want to be disrespectful. Do you ever thought about this? Time. Isn't it amazing and nice? God lets us mess with his stuff. That he gives us a certain amount of time. In this whole timeline of human history, he says, this portion belongs to you. And you can have this. You can make your own decisions and decide what you were going to do within that realm. And, and which is amazing because sometimes we think, yeah, well, this is my time. No, 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 no. Time belongs to God. He made it. And so he has allowed us to actually ha- to have a part and do things in a certain block of time. And you know what God says, though, about, about your time that you have on this earth? Verse 16, God says, you need to redeem it. Okay, so... What's the idea of that? Well, usually one of the things when we hear the word redeem, we quickly think of the idea of to buy something back. Uh, Oftentimes we talk about um, how God has bought us back, redeemed us from the slave market of sin. This word here, 
redeemed, especially in its spot here in this context. Uh, as I was reading and studying about it, the word here has the idea not just of buying something back, but the, the Greek word here has the idea of to buy something up. You ever um, heard that phrase before, to buy up something? Buy it up while you have a chance. Um, when I was in, um, when I was in Alabama, we just got married and moved there. Uh, I had a job for about three years, worked at a grocery store called Publix, worked there. And, um, one of the things about, how many of you have heard that grocery chain Publix? You ever heard that? Oh, wow. A lot of you do. Okay, good. All right. So, um, so one of the things about Publix is, um, is that they are, they're a very stable company for, uh, uh, you know, it was actually started during the Great Depression. You know, not many people can start a business during the Great Depression and it lasts the way it does. And uh, the way it did. And so uh, George Jenkins starts this um, company. And uh, when I um, finished up, when I finished up in 2018, something like that, um, working for Publix, there were somewhere over a thousand stores, a thousand public stores. And you know something that they do when they build stores, ready for this? They build their stores with cash brains, you know, right? That's, I mean, that's what every one of us would love to do. You know, smart thing. Don't take out a loan. Don't borrow money. Pay for it in cash if you can. That's what Publix does. They, I mean, they don't have debt. Their stock, one of the things about their stock, their stock is very, very stable and it's growing. Uh, it grows. And so if you have stock in the company, it's a very valuable thing. One of the things I found out, you go to, uh, you work at Publix. If you work there long enough, which is about three years, even for a part-timer like me working there three years, did you know that they will give you stock in their company? So right now I own it's like a few, it's not it's not a ton but it's a, a few thousand dollars of stock in public stores you know why because i worked there i didn't buy it i didn't do nothing for it they just gave it to me and so it's just sitting there and accumulating i'm just gonna you know you can just let it go let it accumulate and you know something that they would tell us all the time while you were an employee of Publix, they would tell you all the time they would say this is that while you are an employee of Publix, you need to buy up all the stock that you can you know why you know who? Because only Publix employees are allowed to buy public stock. So uh, here's me, part-timer. I don't have a ton of money. You know, I can buy as much public stock as I want. You could come in and maybe you have, maybe you're retired and you're set, you sold your business and you're a millionaire. You can't buy their stock. You say, but I got way more money than you do. That's nice. I'm a Publix employee and you're not. So you can't buy stock. And so what they would say is this, listen, before you leave the company, buy up all the stock you can. Buy up all the stock you can because as soon as you quit, you can't buy any more. And because you know this is a stable thing, you want to make an investment. I mean, there are people who bought all kinds of stock and I mean, it would accumulate. I remember meeting someone. She said, yeah, I was just a regular full-time employee and I just bought some extra stock and just accumulated. She said, "Every whenever we need a new car, I just used that money, bought a new car. And then I let it accumulate. When it was time for a new car, I bought a new car. But this is just a regular full-time employee. I mean, this stuff was valuable. And they said, buy up all the stock that you can. Why? Because you only have a limited time that you can buy it up. Folks, that is exactly what this word redeem means. It means to buy it up. It means to buy up every single bit of time that you can. Because, I mean, what God's trying to tell us is life is short. Life is short and we need to buy up every opportunity that we can to grow God's kingdom for God's glory. Do you do that? Do you buy up every opportunity that you can to grow God's kingdom for God's glory? Folks, buy up 
every opportunity that you can to serve in your church. Tell you what, you folks went nuts last night with that banquet. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was amazing. You know why? Because, I mean, I just looked out there. I remember seeing the Sunday morning crowd. Then I looked at that crowd and I thought, where in the world did all these people come from? And I'm watching people, uh, some of you coming in, and you're not bringing one guest. Some of you are toting in like three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, what in the world? This is great. And that is exactly, that's why that something like a banquet is there, so that everybody jumps on board and does all they can and then invites all that they can. Why? Because this is an opportunity for people to come and hear the gospel. Buy up every opportunity that you can do that. You know, when vacation Bible school rolls around, uh, if you're going to be doing that this summer, listen, it shouldn't be pulling teeth for pastors to say, hey, we need, we need workers for vacation Bible school. You might say, well, I feel like, you know, that's a little kid's thing. I don't know if I'm really, that's really a part of me. Hey, um, hey, people, vacation Bible school is not some little kid's thing. This is the opportunity that this church has to see some children born again and an, and an inroad into some new homes where you could get out and maybe see some adults saved as well. Problem is, we just see it as, well, that's like the little kids thing where they make crafts. Folks, that is not, if that's all you view Vacation Bible School as, you need to get out here and watch some kids get saved. Yeah. Buy up every opportunity that you can to serve in your church before Jesus comes back. Uh, buy up every opportunity that you can to witness, to tell people about Jesus. You know, uh, be, uh, I remember reading one person said, he that has a soul to be saved from eternal death need not have one idle moment. He that has a heaven to win has enough to do to occupy all his time. Well, listen, I, I understand. I don't, think, I don't think it would be healthy that you'd be able to survive if all you did day and night was witness and you didn't even eat. You'd starve to death and be gone you know, in, in a you know, month and a half, something like that. You'd be gone. Okay, I, I, but his point is this, is that, is that really what we need to do is that we're, not, we're usually not on the end of, I'm doing so much witnessing, I need to stop and take some focus on some other things. We're usually on the other end of the spectrum where it takes some, it takes some tooth pulling before we'll finally say, yeah, okay, I'll take a track with me this time. Folks, buy up every opportunity that you can to give the gospel to other people. Buy up every opportunity that you can to develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. Psalm 42 verse 1 says, As the heart, as the deer, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Uh, Psalm 37 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord. So God says, buy up every opportunity that you can to develop your relationship with Jesus. Buy up every opportunity that you can to love and enjoy your family. Buy up every opportunity that you can, listen, to study and read your Bible. Buy up every chance you can. You know, Psalm, uh, you know, maybe you're, maybe you hear from Pastor Lon and maybe from other people, you hear people say, oh, well, you need to read your Bible every day. You need to be in your Bible every single day. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, what, what Baptist came up with that idea? You know, I, you know, I can still walk with God and not be in my Bible every day. Folks, that is not what the Bible says. Psalm one, verse two is going to totally mess you up because it says that the blessed man, it says that he meditates in God's law day and night. So technically, actually, he says you should be doing it twice a day. That's what the Bible says if you want to be blessed. And yet, we, do we not neglect it a lot? 
We neglect our Bibles a lot. Folks, buy up every opportunity that you can to be in your Bible. Buy up every chance you can to be in your Bible for a, a time, maybe in the morning before you get going with your day, maybe at the end of the day when, when things have quieted down. And buy up every opportunity that you can be in your church. Listen, one thing about special meetings I love is that, realize this, is that these, you know, this Bible conference, these special meetings, these are, you're gonna put it this way, these are part of your pastor's growth plan for you. That's a part of it. So when you willingly skip it, not because you're sick, not because you, uh, you had some kind of an emergency come up, but when you say, you know what, I'd rather watch football tonight. You know, when you, when you go that way, you know what really you're doing is, you, 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 what you're doing is you're kind of messing up your pastor's growth plan for you. It really is. And so that's why you need to buy up every opportunity that you can to be in your Bible, to study it, to read up, buy up, or to read it, buy up every opportunity that you can to pray. Spend time in prayer. Buy up every opportunity that you can to worship in God's house. Buy up every chance you can because we did we not just find out that, find out that in six days time, we could lose all opportunities to be in God's house. Did we not find that out March of 2020? In six days' time, all of a sudden we're not in church. It can happen that fast. Folks, buy up every opportunity that you can to be in God's house. Buy up every opportunity that you can to meditate on God's word. Buy up every opportunity that you can to develop uh, immature Christians to help them become more mature. Don't just look at a fellow Christian and say, wow, they've got issues. Why don't you step in and encourage them and help them along and help them to grow to become more like Jesus. And you know, the question can stand that says, um, how much of God's time are you going to buy up and take advantage of so that for, for the sake of lost souls? You know, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 19, Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Where do you, where do you invest your time? Where do you invest your time? You know, I've heard one said that time is like, it's like having tokens. You ever gone to one of those um, uh, video arcade things, maybe with a, a kid's group or some kind of a birthday party, and you get all these tokens, and you get to spend these tokens in all these different machines, playing all these different games, and you know, once the tokens are gone, that's all you have. And, um, you know, you can choose where you want to spend them. You know, in the same way, we all have so many hours in a day. We all have so many days in a year, and you're going to have to decide where you're going to spend your time. Where does your time get spent? Listen, no one is saying that you're, you know, God is not against you having entertainment. God is not against you having something that relaxes you. But folks, it better not take away from what is most important. Yeah. Better not. Yeah. Let, me ask you, let me ask you a question. This may be kind of odd. How many of you here have an iPhone? How many of you have an iPhone? Raise your hand. Put it up. Put it up. Okay, this isn't. Uh, this isn't like a, we don't have a camera on you. Be like, okay, we can tap those people. Hey, if you have an iPhone, this is going to be kind of odd. Pull it out right now. Pull out your iPhone right now. Now, you Samsung, LG, whatever people, I can't help you. Okay, um, but uh, if you have an iPhone like me, pull it out, and I want you to pull it up, and I want you to open. Go to your settings button and open your settings. Okay. Now, some of you are good. You're like, I powered my phone off. Okay. Well, good for you. I'm glad you did that. Um, but um, go onto your phone, hit your settings, go down to the battery button. You have to scroll a little bit, hit the battery button, and then scroll on down just a little bit. And do you know what your iPhone will do for you? 
It will give you a report uh, for mine. My particular I, uh, iOS will give me a report from the last 24 hours or over the last 10 days. And if you scroll down, you can, you can have it show you by battery percentage or you can have it show you by minutes how much time you spent on your apps. Look at it right now. You know, it might be kind of embarrassing. Because sometimes we look at that and we, and we say, you know, Pastor, I really wish I had more time for devotions. Then you, um, you're scrolling down looking at the amount of minutes you've spent on your app over the last 10 days. And you realize, oh, I did have time for my devotions. I spent it elsewhere. Folks, we have, we actually, we oftentimes have more time than we say we do. We just spend the tokens elsewhere. We have time to go out and witness. We have time, but we, we just don't prioritize. And God says, if you're not going to, well, can I put this out there? If you're not going to prioritize and, 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 and prioritize your time to serve God, don't complain about the evil days. God says you want to impact the evil days. It's real easy for you as a Christian. You just say, well, a small little Christian that you may feel like you are. It is really easy for you to impact the evil days. Walk circumspectly and buy up every opportunity that you can to serve the Lord. You know, oftentimes you know, we have all this uh, time, almost like we're almost like a pipe. We have all this time, like water rushing down this pipe, but we have so many holes, the holes of... Um, of social media and the holes of overtime and TV watching and casual reading and, and stressing over the news and hobbies and all these holes that allow the water to shoot out so that by the time the water gets down through the pipe, there's nothing left to pour out onto a needy, thirsty world around us. So I think that's why in verse number 14, why Paul says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. He says, Christians... Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead because life is serious and the days are evil. And God says you can impact the evil days if you'll walk circumspectly, if you'll watch out and keep sin from dominating your life, and two, if you will redeem the time. God says you can impact these evil days. Let's bow our heads. Bow your heads and close your eyes.